Invest in your employees. Let them get out of the office and expand their minds and go to conferences or go to talks or do courses um, to educate them so that they can educate you and that will, you know, help the business. This is a GK Media Podcast. Jess Lavery, Marketing Manager for Resilience Healthcare. Thanks for joining me on Gary Talks. Thank you for having me, Gary. We have, well, we have a few mutual friends. Yeah. But there's one in particular who I've known for uh, nearly 20 years, I'd say you might have known her longer, Kira Fahey. Yes, yeah. And I told Kira that you were coming on the show and I asked her for a bit of advice or thoughts or stories or whatever. God. She sent me, I swear to God, it must be like a 20 minute voice memo <laughs> on WhatsApp. And all she spoke about is how you're the kindest, most loyal friend ever. Aww. So she just sung your praise. I didn't get any dirty juice whatsoever Damn. on you. I was pointless <laughs> voice memo to listen to. But she kept honing on about your loyalty. What makes you loyal to someone? Wow, what a killer question to start with. <laughs> I thought you were going to go easy on me. <laughs> um, look, I'm I'm a believer in what goes around comes around. How you treat people is how it comes back on you. And look, it's not it's not hard to be a good friend to someone, you know, and that's testament to me because I have amazing friends. You know, I moved to Galway when I was 14. Um, so a lot of my friends are from uh, from school. So Kira would be one of them. Mm. Yeah, we've been through so much together. I think when friendships stand the testament of time and when you go through things with each other and you're always there through you know the good the bad the bad and the ugly um you know that's what that's what a friendship is and i'm a firm believer in being your friend's biggest cheerleader when they're not in the room oh, um yeah. you know so like that you know sending a 20 minute voice note but not none of the juice because there's yeah. plenty of it <laughs> <laughs> um and i'm i'm very much about girls for girls so you know just being just cheering each other on especially now with the way you know social media is gone and I have a, a near, nearly 14 year old daughter and I'm always saying to her, you know, always back your friends, always be there for your friends because they'll back you, you know, and that's that's kind of how it how it goes. Yeah, because it's true, because sometimes, you know, I, certain industries I've worked in where I would hear someone bitching about different co-workers and it took me a while. But then I realized, yeah, they're actually bitching about me then when I'm not around. Exactly. You know, so I like that cheerleading mentality yeah. for each other. So where did you come from at the age of 14? Uh, London. Okay. <laughs> so that's hence the the bit of confused accent. <laughs> <laughs> so you start, you had to start a fresh new culture, new country, new friends. Yeah. I mean, look, my parents are both from Galway. So my dad's from Atherai, my mum's from Clare Galway. Um, so I used to spend all my summers here. Um, used to get into the car, onto the ferry with the, the the car packed to the brim, mm. even the goldfish bowl in the back of the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we spent every Christmas and, and summer here. And where are you going back with like Kimberly biscuits and potatoes and stuff? Yeah, yes, yeah. I don't know. Bottles of Sidona. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> so yeah, all my cousins are here. Um, so yeah, I used to spend every Christmas and, and summer here. So, you know, it was, I was familiar with it. I was that token English cousin coming over, you know, from from London. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so mom and dad decided they wanted to move back. Um, I guess just the quality of life that's here and, you know, all the family support and everything like and, that. And were you up for that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I was kicking and screaming, but I probably wasn't, you know, really. You're making voodoo dolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved to Oramore, I think they just built Super Value. Okay. So there was like, it was a massive culture shock coming from East London to um, to a small village. Um, and yeah, it's a difficult age. 14 is really difficult mm. because girls can be mean and 14 year old girls can be very mean. Um, so, yeah, there was a, there was a bit of, a, of an adjustment, but um, probably took two years, I'd say, to really settle in, you know, and there was the kind of I felt like I had to constantly prove myself, you know, that I was Irish. You know, you're constantly trying to say Oh, my family are Irish and I still have to do that. I mean, I'm here 22, 23 years and I still, you know, I always get kind of 
and you go back home or, you know, how do your family feel about Brexit? And I'm like, well, it doesn't really affect them because <laughs> yeah. they're here, you know. So so you were getting like an anti-English vibe when you were 14. Oh, like, yeah, really bad. Um, it's yeah. And I think it's it's definitely Goy, especially it's it's become a lot more multicultural now. And there's a I think with, again with social media, we're exposed to a lot more mm. than we were back then. Um, but there was an element definitely of having to kind of constantly feel like I had to prove myself, you know, saying my uncle was a hurler for Galway, you know, I'm, mm. I'm from here. I just have an accent, you yeah. know, so. Which I think is interesting because one of the things as well in, in that, um, podcast voice memo that Kira sent me on was that you were such a hard worker that even in college, you were just working hard, hard grafting, grafting, grafting. And Kira used to say amongst all her friends, if any of us is going to make it, it's going to be Jess. You know, but looking oh. back, maybe it did yeah. help build you to be independent and just to prove yourself to maybe yourself and to, to everyone else. Um, like I when I think back to college, I always worked three jobs in college. You know, I always we um one of our other friends, Fiona, we moved to to Dublin when we were I think I was just sixteen. No, I was seventeen. Uh we moved to Dublin all bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> into Ballyfermot to the media college um but yeah I would have I would have been the one that went out till five or six in the morning and still get up go to my class do my assignments you know and manage to get a distinction now I couldn't do that if <laughs> I can't leave my eight hours were you involved in a fashion magazine or something when you're in college yeah so I um it's funny when when uh when I went into my journalism course um, you know, they went around the table and they were asking everyone, you know, what kind of journalist do you want to be? And everyone said, you know, I'm really into politics and, you know, I really want to be a political journalist tackling all the, you know, tough subjects or a lot of them wanted to be sports and came to me and I was like, I love fashion. <laughs> so I want to write for a fashion magazine. And everyone laughed. But look, that's that was just me. Um, I just had an interest. So I did. I had a bit of experience in Dublin working for um, I did a bit for, I think it was called You Magazine at the time. Um, and then I did a placement in the Goy Advertiser. So I had my own column in the Goy Advertiser for for just under a year, I think. But yeah. And was that talking about fashion as well? It was like I had a fashion column and then I had kind of a few different things that I used to write about. But I remember um, one of them was, um, I think I stole it from like Heat Magazine. It was the hot or not um, column. So what's hot this week and what's not? And I remember sitting in the office of the Goy Advertiser looking out the window for inspiration, trying to see, you know, what's hot this week? Yeah. <laughs> I think Pineapple Clippo one week was there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was scraping the barrel with that one. <laughs> when did you know what you wanted to do with yourself? Last year, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I did my undergrad in Dublin and then moved back to, back home and I did my master's in NUI in journalism. And that's what I really wanted to do and graduated at 21. Uh, into, so it was 2008. So height of the recession. Um, uh, so was, was it was print journalism or was it radio or um, TV? I kind of like I... I I, I wanted, I loved the idea of being on TV. I always wanted to be a TV presenter when I was a kid. Um, and then did a bit of video in college. And then I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'd love to do radio, love the idea of radio. But I was told because of my accent that I probably wouldn't make it on local radio, that that would go against me. So that kind of, that's hard to take when you're 20 years of age. Mm. Um, so. and, and I suppose even shows how backward we were even just a couple of decades ago i know when you look now you know yeah. there's and that's what we want we i love hearing different accents and you know a variety on the, and i still listen to the radio every day you know and even i think now in the digital world radio is huge because and, and did it have a, a, a big effect on you or would uh, when someone says you know you're doing a course you're paying big money to do a course in college and someone says to you all of a sudden you'll never make it because of your accent, something you can't naturally change, you know, unless you put on a, a Galway accent. <laughs> uh, but like, did that really bother you or was that like, oh. That was like a, another thing adding to the, you know, you feel like you're you're working really hard and then you have this going against you always, you know. And um, so that was, that was kind of a, it was a bit of a knock because, you know, I really, I loved the idea of being on radio. I just loved the interaction and all of that. So that was a knock. But then I kind of thought, 
do you know what I love fashion I'd love to write about fashion so I kind of I was resilient as well you know mm. I think you're when you're younger you just kind of go okay what can I what else can I do um so that's why I went into the the more kind of print side of things but then as I said graduated 2008 all of a sudden no jobs in journalism so um I went in and got a job in Brown Thomas as a makeup artist. Okay. <laughs> no makeup experience. Okay. Just went in and as I as I think everyone does, just winged it, basically. And were people even able to buy makeup in Brown Thomas in 2008? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Money from under the mattress. To, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I, they always find a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, the year after I had Morgan. So had Morgan when I was 23 and when I went back to Brown Thomas, um, I went to work for Mac and I started in race week. I, I think I probably glued about 20 people's eyes shut that week. <laughs> <laughs> it was like pe person after person coming in saying, can I get a set of lashes? Can I get a set of lashes? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like I'd only ever. And do they pay for the service or is it like a, a freebie so that they'll buy a Mac product? They, they buy the, they buy the lashes. Okay. And um, you glue them on. Yeah. So, um, that, that was a, that was a fun process. That was a learning curve, probably the wrong week to learn <laughs> uh, race week where you're just, I, I remember so many people, I was like, um, just two seconds there. And like their eyelid would be fully glued together. Um, but just winged it and uh, no pun intended. <laughs> 23 years of age, you become a mommy. Yeah. That's another big change in your life from arriving to Ireland at the age of 14 to live in a tiny village. Yeah, big, big shock. So, um, yeah, and look, it was, you know, I think back and I'm like, I thought I was kind of mature at the time. But So were you in college or just out of college? I just graduated the year before. Yeah, so graduated, um, I think in the September and I found out I was pregnant the following May. So yeah, it was a, a big learning because you all of a sudden have to grow up very quickly. You know, you go from being a student to all of a sudden being responsible for someone. Mm. So, And what was the fear then? Was it maybe having a conversation with parents or was it the actual the reality of life going to change? I think, first of all, it was the conversation piece because no, like, I mean, I think you graduate from college with your whole kind of life ahead of you, you know, in their eyes. And then you have to tell them that And I was 22 when I found out. So, yeah, that was that was I think I was more scared about telling my parents than I was of the, the prospect of being a, a parent myself. <laughs> How did they react? Um, I mean, it took a while to adjust and, but now, I mean, Morgan's the, the, the apple of their eye. You yeah, because I think once the baby arrives, you know, it all suddenly changes then for, absolutely you know, when they become grandparents, it's an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's, it's a real life that they're, that's, you know, brought into the world and yeah. I think everything else just melts away, you know. I was having a conversation with my parents last night. It was my daughter's 10th birthday. Uh, and we were kind of having a brief conversation about this before we started recording. And I was saying to mom and dad, you know, what was uh, of your 70 plus years on earth? What were the, the years that stood out for you the most? What did you what period in your life did you enjoy the most? And they both refer to their childhood because they had no responsibilities at the time. And I said to me, uh, for me, it was my 20s because it was, again, no responsibility, carefree, thought I you know, had that real inner belief that I could take on the world and achieve anything I wanted to achieve. And we were going to film festivals all over Europe and just having a blast. So you're in your 20s. You've just come out of college. It is party central, I think, in the 20s. It's a great time. But again, that changes for you because you become a mom. So your friends are kind of out Friday, Saturday. And I'm not trying to plant or lead, but I'm like, was that a big challenge for you oh absolutely um you know because you're you still want to be that 20 year old you're trying to be responsible but at the same time the other side you you still want to live and go out at the weekends and in your 20s going out at the weekends is I mean that's that is your life you know mm. um especially when you're kind of just out of college and um a lot of people were moving to Australia as well I think that was a definitely a transition and a learning um but one I would never change because it just 
you know, I actually had this conversation with Morgan this morning. Um, when she grad when she goes to college, I'll be just 40. You know, so I was kind of saying to her, isn't that great? You know, you're heading off to college and I'll be I'll only be 40, yeah. you know. <laughs> so there's the other side of it. But also I feel like we grew up with her as well. Mm. You know, um, we grew up as people. Um, it definitely made me more determined to grow in my career um for her. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, and especially the older generation, when when people, you know, have have children young, they'll say, you know, your life is over. But actually, for me, that was just when my life began, because all of a sudden you have a purpose. Mm. You have a purpose every single day for this person, you know, this little person that's dependent on you for everything. So it's amazing. And I think it's only when you reflect back, you know, when you're older that you kind of go, wow, like we and especially when you see her as a young lady, I'm like, we did that, you know, yeah. we, we, we raised her, you know, she's the way she is because of us. And that, that in itself is an achievement. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, when I look back at myself in my twenties, I was completely narcissistic and just loved myself. Uh, and then, as you said, once you become a parent, you, you find real purpose uh, and meaning in your life. So you're a young mother, you're in your twenties, you're in Brown Thomas you're having conversations with people, you're gluing their eyes together. (laughs) (laughs) What else is going through your head at this stage? I worked there for a couple of years and, you know, the retail industry is tough. You know, I have so much respect for people that work in retail because customers are hard work, you Mm. know, and people can be assholes. Um, And, you know, I just remember one day going, you know, feck this. I did five years in college. I'm not doing this anymore. I remember um, it was the January um, of 2012, so it was nearly 12 years ago, and I started applying for jobs, you know, for in marketing agencies. I just really wanted to work in marketing. So again, it's Galway. It was, you know, there was it was limited in terms of the jobs, and also I had no experience in marketing. You know, I'd I'd done kind of a bit of promo work, worked with a few different brands through, um, you know, promotions and things like that, but not actually ever worked with clients, you know, in that regard. So I applied for an internship in um, a company called H&A Marketing and uh, they offered me the role, but it was unpaid. So it was Monday to Friday. Wow. Unpaid. And I was working 37 hours in Brown Thomas. So I deliberated and I was kind of, you know, speaking to my family. I had a two-year-old. Um, so I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And Andy, my husband, was like, look, well, I'll support you, whatever you have to do. Um, we'll support you. And, you know, if this is what you need to do, then, you know, go for it. So I went into my boss in Brown Thomas at the time and said, um, can I cut down to one day a week? She was like, why? And I said, because I've been offered an internship. Um so it's Monday to Friday. And I remember at the time being told, you know, not just by her, but so many people, you're you're leaving a full time paying job to go and work for free. Why? And I was like, because it's the only way I'm going to get ahead. You know, if I need to, if I want to get experience, it's a risk I'm going to have to take. Um, so I cut down to one day a week. Um, so I worked in H&A from Monday to Friday and Brown Thomas on Saturday and yeah, when I think back, I mean, we were paying childcare because I still had to, we we still had to have full-time childcare. Um, and I don't know how we did it at the time, but I remember going in and I was like, I am going to get a job here and that is it. I have no choice. So I worked my butt off for, I think, four to six months. Um, and that was like bursting through doors of, you know, all the people that worked there asking what I could do. You know, I got amazing experience, but I remember having that attitude of they're going to hire me because, you know, that's I'm not leaving, basically. And they did. Um, And I worked with amazing brands, um, you know, and I worked there for three and a half years. Still, some of my really good friends um, I met through there. Um, one of my first clients was Mandy from Catwalk. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, I actually got the memories on Facebook yesterday. She was trying to um, get into Dublin at the time. So I worked with her doing her PR. And um, yeah, like when it was, 
it was brilliant. Um, I, I have such fond memories of that time and the experience I got. So when I was offered the role, I left Brown Thomas and that that was kind of how I started in the marketing world. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And what did you learn? What were the things that stood out for you those first few years working there in marketing? Just that it's all your time, you know, that there's no easy way around it. Um, it's all your time, especially PR, um, which I did a lot of at the time, you know, the amount of work that goes in um, and just having to prove yourself, you know, just it's it's proving yourself every day um, by, you know, getting just getting results for for customers and just the satisfaction you get when you, you work with clients and you see them, especially, you know, with PR, you know, the the job, the work that I did with Mandy, um, seeing her get, you know, press across all the national newspapers and kind of going, I, I did that, mm. you know, and it was amazing and just building relationships. And I think a lot of what we do is relationship building and maintaining relationships because we were talking before, you know, Goy is small, Ireland yeah. is small, you know, and it's so important how you treat people um, because it'll always come back around and yeah. you'll always need someone again for something, for a favor or whatever it is. So just respecting people. And I always respected my coworkers, my bosses, you know, and like that, just always knocking on their door asking, what else can I do for you, you know? And then you moved into another company and this is where we kind of started having mutual friends yes uh, yeah. so life's too good yes tell us about this organization because what's what's really interesting about your 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 professional career is the amount of different organizations you work have worked with that do completely different services or products so it hasn't it isn't that you've done marketing in just one industry sector it's completely different all the time so life's too good then I had worked um, in the agency for three and a half years and I kind of, I got to the stage where I was like, okay, now I really want to get a sense for working in-house with a brand. And I loved, I still loved the idea of getting into something around beauty um, and lifestyle. So I started working with Life's Too Good and um, yeah, they they worked with, uh, their brand was Viviscal um, and Micropedi. So um, it was very, very different to anything I'd done previously because it was brand. So I'd come from marketing and PR, whereas this was very brand um, orientated. Yeah, so I'm assuming that the owners of this organization realize the power of branding and marketing. So they were investing heavily yes. in that, in personnel and yeah. campaigns. Yeah, we had a huge, um, we had a big marketing team in there. Um, but a lot of what I did was packaging. <laughs> Um, so I was it, trying to, you know, yeah, it was, <laughs> was trying to sell you up there, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was like you know the the working with the the teams on um on packaging. Now it was brilliant. I mean, I I helped kind of lead a, a full um product launch, um, and it was a, a Sonic toothbrush. Um, oh, a, f a friend of mine was actually talking to me. She got a Sonic toothbrush there few months ago really yeah and she was just saying it was the best thing ever yeah so we we worked on packaging to launch these new sonic toothbrushes so that was my first kind of project from start to finish we were looking to target kind of younger a younger market so kind of teenagers early 20s so it was very fashion-led in terms of what was you know on trend at the time so we were kind of looking at the boots super drug um, you know, along the aisle type of product that you kind of just grab when you're in the queue. Okay. Um, so very price, um, you know, pr price point was really affordable. Um, we went to London to see kind of the trends, you know, what was, you know, really on trend in terms of, um, we went to Selfridges and all the big department stores to see what kind of prints were in. And then, so I would have kind of worked with the with the team on designing that, um, including the packaging. So the toothbrush and the packaging. And then the presentations to the retailers. So you're really kind of, you know, we, we'd started with the market research to the design, to who the audience were, and then how we were going to sell it into the, um, the retailers stores. themselves. So, so you weren't going down the route of influencers on Instagram and social media and um, all that? You know what? It wasn't really a thing. Mm. The, the influencers thing back then, that was, I think it was 2015. The influence, the influencers really only came in the following year. Okay. So that was a, yeah, because. Um, because there's a lot of kind of um, products for the teeth now that are 
you know, they're pushed constantly on the likes of Instagram or TikTok and, and yeah. so on. Whereas you were old school, you know, you had to be on the ground, do your research. Uh, it wasn't a case of just pumping thousands of euro behind it, an online campaign and just let it work away. Yeah, no, it was it was so, yeah, it's it's it was a different. It's funny when I think about marketing then and that was only eight years ago, like how far it's come on. Mm. Um, it's night and day, you know, because it was, as you said, a really on the ground push. You know, we were designing the um, the shelving for the stores, you know, how it was going to look. And that was how we were trying to sell it, you know, the price point. Whereas now, I mean, if we had something like that, your natural thing would be send it to a load of influencers, yeah. you know, put money behind it, you know, on on boosted ads. And, you know, it's it's funny. It's it, in a way how it's completely changed because everything's digital now. Mm. And an opportunity came up with Easy Living Furniture as a marketing manager. So I went in there then. Um, so I was in Life's Too Good only a year. It was kind of a short time, but amazing experience. So furniture then. Yeah. <laughs> and a family business as well, which is, you know, an, another dynamic as well, you know, where you're working with a corporate and Life's Too Good did sell. And I, I'm sure they got a nice sale across the line so yeah (laughs) and people can research that up if they want but uh, you know I I suppose when an owner owner is or teen up a business to sell it off there's a certain strategy involved there and so on whereas here you're 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 moving into a family-run business who don't intend selling off anytime soon if anything they intend to grow and scale and it's furniture now it's a completely different scenario again so so what was that transition like for you? Yeah, I mean, because my role in Life's Too Good was assistant brand and manager. So it was you were, you're kind of nearly always below someone, you know, so you can kind of hide behind someone in a way. Um, so going into Easy Living, you know, you're you're exposed because you're the manager. So you're managing a department, you're managing a team of people. So that was a big step up for me. You know, the first year I, I really, really I loved it. I went in with such enthusiasm and the kind of influencer industry had started to become you know a little bit more popular um you know especially on kind of Facebook and Instagram um at the time so again we had products we wanted to sell so naturally what did I do send them to influencers um now you can't send them well we actually did I remember um contacting just Jordan at the time um she was very much within the kind of uh very earlier on in her kind of influencer career. And um, I remember we had, we gave her kind of, uh, I don't know, was she pregnant at the time, but it was furniture for her nursery. But then we did up, I was like, okay, we really want to push up Christmas accessories. Let's make up a a basket of Christmas accessories, you know, pick all our really nice stuff um, and send them to, you know, the top 10, 12 influencers and ask them to please share on their stories because it's the quickest way. And because when they're a lower price point, they can do links to the website and people can order them online as well. So that's all a learning. And and were you you having to pay them at this stage? No, no. So we were just sending them out and you're kind of just hoping that by sending them that they'll they'll share it on their their own platforms. So this was, again, very much in its infancy. It was only kind of a thing that was starting to be done that year. And I remember being on the floor of the office and just having baskets um, around me and just glitter and accessories and one of the owners coming in <laughs> and asking, what the hell are you doing? Like, who are you sending all this stuff to? And we're like, influencers? And and who's paying for this? You. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you're trying to prove yourself. You're like, but it is effective. You yeah. know, it is. And then you're trying to you know, you're sending them out, you're following up. Did you receive them? You know, again, you're just hoping that they'll share something yeah. just so you can go back to your bosses and say it was successful. Yeah. You know, you're again, you're constantly trying to prove what you're doing all of the time. Um, because I always think with marketing, especially um, and PR and that type of, of of work, it's it's very, very qualitative, you know, as in you know, the amount of time you're putting into it, it's very hard to gauge what you're getting from it sometimes, you know. So if someone posts something on their story, you know, 10 people could go out and buy stuff straight away. But unless they click the link, it's very hard to know if it came from that. 
you know, and people just do what they want. So you can't force people to purchase in the way that you want so you can get the stats to give to your boss to prove, you know, your worth. But yeah, that's, I think it's just a challenge and it's just trying to, I think, you know, it's something we, we chatted about earlier. It's about trying to, I think, and because of the digital age, everything is a little bit more quantitative now. You know, it's just, it's, it's proven through stats, through data, through, you know, you're relying on all of your, your, you know, your CRM systems yeah. and, and, you know, that your links that just to measure what you're doing and whether it's effective or not, you know. So you're going into the influencer, but it's also, I suppose, as a marketing manager coming from being an assistant branding officer or whatever, is you are dealing with print now as well. So you're putting stuff into newspapers, adverts, maybe editorials, you're contacting radio stations, you're getting adverts done there, maybe potential interviews. I don't know where you're going down the TV route. There's billboards, there's so there's and there's the rise of social media. So there's a lot there that you're having to to balance and work with. And what was working for you then? You know, again, it, it, it's hard to it was hard to measure in certain ways because um, a lot of what we did was TV and radio. So, again, it's hard to measure the customers coming in, you know, so we'd always say to staff, you know, working in the stores, just ask people, where did they hear about us? Yeah. Where did they hear about the sale? Where did they hear about the offer that we were running? You know, and a lot of people just say, oh, just word of mouth, you know, they'll just, but they could have been hearing it on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard something last week at the the Festival of Marketing and it's about, you know, brands stop overcomplicating your marketing strategy. Just say something, say it well and say it often, you know, and I think sometimes we forget about that and we're really trying to over segment, you know, in in how we promote our brands. So we were doing a lot of press advertising and radio advertising at the time. And again, they're very, very hard to measure. So in a way, I think the move towards digital and video, it's it's much easier to track engagement through through digital because you can see exactly the amount of people that engaged the amount of leads that have come in and from what um campaign they've come in from and then if they've converted whereas you know press radio billboards it's it's awareness and they have to be done to a certain degree um especially mass mass marketing um is something that's still overlooked i think you know pampers do it really well you know not everyone needs nappies but they might in the future. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that Pampers are only going to advertise to a certain audience. You know, yeah. they advertise to everyone because you might not be in the market now, but you might be down the road. So the brand awareness thing is is very important. Um, and just being consistent with your brand, you know, not not overcomplicating it. Um, and being able to measure, being able to provide stats, especially to the CFOs of your company, the people that are you need to be best friends mm. with to get your mm. marketing budget. And I think by proving what you're doing, and I think we can do that better now than what we used to be able to do. Brilliant. And I suppose going from Life's Too Good, where you're targeting young women who are just passing up through the island booths before they go to the checkout that they just pick something up, you're going to a completely different audience. You're going to people who have have disposable income and have decided that they do need a bed, a wardrobe, a couch, a, a table in their kitchen, whatever, you know, so it's not a, a, a quick decision. So it's completely changing that target audience again. And the journey. Yeah. And I suppose that audience, even of that age, were not really on social media yet either. You know, they were listening to the radio or, or opening up the newspaper. A lot of things changing and in the mix. But were you enjoying all this at the time? Yes, um, I was. I mean, you're always going to have challenges because sometimes sales can dictate marketing. Yeah. You know, so we we would always have a plan. You know, as a marketer, you have to have a strategy. There could have been one bad sale at the weekend because there was a match on or the weather Mm. was really good or the weather was really bad. And all of a sudden sales were down compared to that weekend a year ago. And, you know, someone's bursting through the door saying, change everything. We're doing a sale, you know, straight away, <laughs> drop what you're doing. And you're just like, oh, my God. And your your heart. Is and is your this mouth. how things were being compared? This is what we did last year. This is what we did this weekend. Wow. And again, because this, the only stats 
that they were using as an effective measure was the sales coming into the tills. Mm. You know, whereas I think, again, it's, it's you know, it, as marketers, it's about taking back that control uh, to a certain extent. I mean, people still have to run businesses, but I think having a bad weekend shouldn't all of a sudden, you know, tear up your marketing plan and yeah, make yeah. you have to start again, you know? Yeah, because it is a 12-month plan as such. Yeah, yeah. So I think you always have to be ready to to fight fires and you're always fighting fires. <laughs> yeah, no, because it, it's something that we deal with as well because we would work with business owners and we'd work with people in marketing doing videos or graphics or even podcasts, you know, social media management. And often there is that thing where a business owner could be making marketing decisions or marketing spend, having no marketing experience and having no marketing plan. And it can just be quite absurd, you know, because there's no rationale, there's no forward thinking. It's it's hot or cold, literally, decisions and scenarios. And that is, that probably counts for 50% of my career is <laughs> is that type of um, behavior, you know, and uh, uh, one of my favorite phrases is it's the tail wagging the dog all the time mm. and it's just being reactive. So it can be frustrating um, because, again, you're trying to prove your worth, you're trying to prove your expertise, you know, that you know what you're doing. But at the same time, the people that are paying your wages, you kind of have to do as you're told as well, yeah, you yeah. know, to a certain degree. You can say that's fine. It's not what I think, but if but I can't change your mind. So if that's what you want to do, then that's what we have to do. So that can be like hitting your head against a brick wall. <laughs> and what would you say to companies? And again, I've been on the other side where I have met many who literally have no marketing plan. You know, they just go with the flow. If they're busy, that's great. If they're quiet, I must be quiet. But there's literally, there's nothing set up in January to see them right through to the end of the year to say, look, we we need to promote this product or this service or do this differently because we did that. There's there's zero, you know, you with your experience in marketing, what would you say to those people? I would say invest in your employees, you know, invest in your employees, let them get out of the office and expand their minds and go to conferences or go to talks or do courses to educate them so that they can educate you. And that'll, you know, help the business because at the end of the day, things change every week. You know, we were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, what could be right one week, all of a sudden it's your your audience is somewhere else or they're consuming a different um, social channel than what they were um, maybe the year before. So I would say owners don't invest in their employees enough because at the end of the day, for your company and your brand to have longevity, you need to have internal advocates and they need to believe in it. So you need to invest in them instead of always thinking about the bottom line, you know, and that obviously the bottom line is, you know, what keeps the lights on and, you know, it's it's important. But I think if you don't invest in the people, then they're going to leave and they're going to move on and they're going to go somewhere else where they can, you know, progress or expand, you know, because it's, it's really important because... Y- you know, when you're in the day to day, you don't see the wood from the trees. Mm. So you can't see what's out there when you're in it all the time. Um, so it's really, really important just to constantly be educating yourself and as a an owner of a business to educate your staff and invest in them. And you just came back from an event in London, a big marketing event. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, that we there was some of the top businesses you know um from all over the world you you know linkedin and hubspot and vimeo and the people that are you know transforming the you know digital marketing world and they're telling you the way it's going so you know you don't you don't hear that or see that when you're sat at a desk in an office all yeah. the time and the way things are going with ai it's just it's scary but it's exciting at the same time you know and it's just the evolution of where it's gone from newspaper ads to all of a sudden, you know, AI marketing, powered marketing, it's just, um, it's mad how quickly things are are changing and you just have to keep up with it because. You, you have know, to keep up with it and I think you have to embrace it and use it to your benefit because again, I remember when social media came in to a, a business that I was working in before and they were anti-social media. So you couldn't get onto any of the social media platforms in the building. They were all blocked by the firewall. You know, they saw it as a threat Thankfully, years later, they see the benefits of it. They've embraced it and they're monetizing as a result of it. But this is kind of this is what's happening now with AI. I I see in places where 
they're so against it. Again, certain like ChatGPT could be blocked in firewalls and certain businesses. And because there's the ignorance there, they don't know anything about it. They're not educating themselves about it, finding out more. So they just don't want to know anything about it. It's a bad thing. And they're falling behind. Yeah, I think um, you have to go with it because at the end of the day, if you don't, you're just going to be left behind. Mm. And how is family life for you at this stage? Busy. <laughs> no, but we, we, during the whole easy living oh, sorry. period. Sorry. sorry. Um, family life. So I um, I actually um, found out I was pregnant with our second child while I was working in easy living. It was very different for me at that time because I was 30 and, um, you know, Morgan was seven and I remember telling my mom and she said, well, thank God for that. You know, I was I was only thinking, when were you going to give her a sibling? <laughs> you know, so just the difference in seven years of telling them the first yeah. time to, to t- telling them the second time and just the whole um, pregnancy was really enjoyable, you know, whereas the first time it was nearly there was a bit of shame, you know, because you're young. Um, whereas the second time I just embraced it um, and I loved being pregnant and just kind of kept going in my role. Um, I, you know, stayed in the gym till I was 37 weeks. Uh, wow. Squatting, probably heavier than I squat now, actually. Um, yeah, through the whole pregnancy. So, Because uh, you get up really early for the gym, don't you? Yeah, get up at five. Five? Yeah, yeah, oh, get God. up at five. Uh, get the lunches done and I'm out the door for about quarter to six then, yeah. And how often do you do that during the week? Um, I try and go five days. Oh my God. So were you up since five this morning? Yeah. And you look fresher than me. (laughs) (laughs) I got up at like half seven. Power coffee. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I look. Wow, that's an early start. I love the gym. I love, that is my time in the morning. You know, I, those two hours that I get to myself from five to seven or whatever, that's, that's my therapy that's my meditation you know that's my time that I prep for the day so by the time I get home and the kids are getting up I'm so ready for the day and I'm you know I'm I'm able to take on you know whatever is thrown at me because because I've done that time you know and look it's not always easy there's days where it's dark and you know you're you're tired and you don't want to go but you never regret going and yeah, just so, do you, so are you that disciplined that you go? You don't just go. Ah, it's warm in the bed. I'll just roll over and leave it for another day. You know what? There, there probably have been days where I've done that, but it just becomes such a habit, and it just becomes so part of like who you are when you do it, and you just know the benefits are better. Um, now there's Monday mornings where I'm tired and I'm like, oh, I'll just go after work, or you know, I'll go tomorrow. I mean, I'm only human, but at the same time. I just, I think when you get so into something, you know, over a certain amount of time, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it just becomes your identity. It just becomes part of your routine of who you are, what you do. And it's just something you do in the morning. And, you know, it's, it's a good, I think it's a good example to set to kids as well, you know, and not just the gym, you know, obviously that's not everyone's cup of tea. But even, you know, just being going out for a walk or being involved in a team or going for a run, it's just a good example that, you know, when they see mom and dad are doing this, you know, they they kind of, it's just the norm for them, you know, mm. and it kind of, so you don't have to push it on them. Like, you know, I always, I was made to do every activity going when I was a child. You know, I had to do karate and keyboard and violin and swimming and dancing and singing and drama and everything else and I remember there was days I was like I don't want to be a karate kid (laughs) (laughs) don't make me go yeah see you were born in the mid 80s if you're born in the start of the 80s like me you'll want it to be the karate yeah 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 (laughs) exactly that's it so I think with with them I, I very much encourage them to do what they want to do in that as long as they're doing something, but it has to be something that they're interested in. So um, my oldest plays Gaelic and then my youngest does horse riding and swimming and cheerleading, you know. So it's about kind of finding what they want to do. But I think it's it's just 
setting that example that they see, well, you know, my dad runs and, you know, he takes part in half marathons and my mom goes to the gym. So that's just kind of the thing that they do. And do you go to the gym and just work away on your own or do you do these group exercises, class exercises? No, I just like that's, I don't even like people talking to me in the gym. I'm I'm the same as well, yeah. (laughs) I have my headphones on. If someone looks at me or comes in my direction, I get kind of annoyed because, you know, they're they're breaking your stride because I talk for long enough and I talk, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. So that's my time where it's just like to listen to the radio and just be in your own zone. Yeah. 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 There was a person in the gym the last day, a woman, I'd say she was in her mid forties and she got onto one of these machines that you sit and you put your legs out and back. Um, and I had just gotten off it and then she took out the key and, and, and basically didn't put any weight on it. And she just sat on it for 20 minutes taking selfies. And at one stage, she put the phone between her thighs and did maybe two pushes on the machine. Yeah. And so the group classes are not for me, but definitely people like that just drive me bonkers. I know. And she's taken up space that someone else is looking at going. I have like literally five minutes left. I need that machine. Yeah, Stop taking yeah, pictures yeah, of yeah. yourself. And you can't say anything because you're a guy. <laughs> I know. You, know. you can't be one of those people. But um, And then probably walks out the door again, posted on Instagram. Yeah. And oh yeah, God and I've seen people doing that where they'll come into a gym and they'll do a video of, you know, they'll do two reps on one machine, set up the phone somewhere else, do two reps there, set up the phone somewhere else, and literally walk out and get into the car in the basement. And just put it up on social media. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. So you're up at 5 a.m. going to the gym. You go to bed at what, eight o'clock? <laughs> I go to bed at, I try and say 10, sometimes it's half 10, sometimes it's 11. Um, yeah, I wish there was a few more hours in the day, to be honest. Um, but yeah, look, you know yourself when you're a parent, you know, you got, so that's my time in the morning. I go to work. Um, if I'm in the office, it might be half six, seven when I get home. And then it's sit down, homework, That's dinner. That's a long day. Um, and then by the time you get everything else, you know, you're washing and you're, all your other jobs done, it's kind of, you have an hour to sit down. But and, I hope your house isn't clean. Um, I'm if it is, a, like, that's just not fair to anyone. I'm a bit of a neat freak. <laughs> so yeah, I like to I like to live in what looks like or what I feel like is a show house <laughs> for me, not for anyone else. Yeah, no yeah. one else might come, but it's just as I like things to be in a certain way. But what about letting your hair down then? Do you do that at the weekends? Oh, look, I I uh, I like going out. I, I love going for nice dinners and uh, and for cocktails. I've been known to maybe have a spicy margarita or two and look always amazing for we're so lucky like we've such a good selection of uh, restaurants Mm. and places to eat and drink and yeah like I don't think there's anywhere that has the selection that we have here it's brilliant so um there's always something on as well where do you get the drive I think you know, as a, as a child, as I said, you know, I was always kind of put into to activities and, you know, my mom, you know, pushed me a lot um, into, into, you know, being the best that I could be. So I guess it's just always been something I've had. Um, it's always been something I've just always pushing to, you know, be better, do more. Um, and it's not to prove to anyone. It's, it's, you know, it's me against me, you know, it's mm. me versus me. Um, you know, and that's in career, that's, you know, in in every aspect of life. But I think as well, you know, I've I've kind of changed my perspective in the last couple of years. You know, I, maybe it's getting older or, you know, being more self-aware. I used to be someone who lived from Monday to Friday, you know, or lived, lived for the weekend. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I used to just get through Monday to Friday, you know, especially when you're in a, an office job and you're just waiting for Friday to come. Um, counting down the days and the hours and, you know, for the weekend, you know, and that was just always, I don't know, is it just me or is that just culture? Is that our society? For me, it's very bizarre. It's so important to enjoy the week from the get go, from Monday morning on. Absolutely. Because if you live your life like that, then what are you, what are you living for? You know, if you're just waiting for the next thing, then you're just existing there was a, I used to always say, you know, oh, you only live once, go on the holiday, you only live once. But I heard a great quote and it said, you only die once, you live every day, you know, and I think it's just about finding the joy in the small things, you know, right. like that, having your hour in the morning of just you time, having your coffee and just being grateful. You know, I think when you change your mindset to be grateful, because, 
you know, it's very easy to get caught up and, you know, give out about the laundry basket, you know, it's always full, you know, I'm always washing and putting clothes away and I go back in and it's full again, you know, but I think if you just are grateful for the fact that you are living in a safe home, you know, that you have a healthy family and you have washing to do, you know, you have clothes to wash and you have children to dress. And I think if you look at things that way, you know, you can just find the joy in the small things every single day rather than just waiting for the next thing. And I think it's just about switching it up and changing your your mindset a little bit to just find the joy in the small things. Love it. And is there any certain goals you can tell us about right now that you're... Sitting here with you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you must be a- aiming higher than that in life. <laughs> uh, it's funny, actually. I remember uh, during COVID, I was made uh, redundant from my job. And uh, look, I... I was delighted at the time because the kids were off. The summer yeah. was, the weather was gorgeous. Yeah. You know, I was put on furlough initially and I just made the most of it. I was like, I'm never going to, I've always worked, you know, I've never had time off, bar, you know, been on maternity leave. So I was like, let's just enjoy this and make the most of it. You know, I was off with the kids, the weather was beautiful and we just really enjoyed that summer. And I remember getting to August and I was like, okay, the kids are back to school. Everything was starting to go back to a bit of normality kind of around August, September, 2020, or or so we thought. And I said to Andy, I was like, okay, kids are back to school in two weeks. I really need to like start looking. I need to get a job and I need to get a new car. And within two weeks, I had a new job that came with a new car. Wow. Yeah. Two weeks later, I was driving a brand new white Mercedes and Andy was like, how the hell did you do that? I was like, I manifested it. (laughs) He was like, okay, how do I manifest stuff? Can you manifest for others? Because I I do need to get a car right now. (laughs) Well, that's great. And was that then with Conley Motors? Yeah, that was with Conley Motor Group. So one of my kind of um, goals was always, I always loved the idea of working with like a a motor company. Loved the idea of like the glamour of, you know, working with, you know, the big brands and, yeah, it was something, it was kind of an itch I always wanted to scratch. So when the opportunity came up for um, a market manager role there, I, you know, I was, I got the opportunity and um, yeah, look, it was, it was amazing, you know. Because they were buying a lot of garages as well around yeah, the same, Yeah, expanding they? really quickly. Um, so very similar, um, you know, to to a previous role when I went in, they had no graphic designer and I just couldn't believe that a, a company that had, that scale, you know, that they had eight or nine garages and, you know, working with Mercedes and Audi and Volkswagen and all these huge brands. And they were really going towards the electric market, which was getting really big at the time as well. And I was looking at their branding and I was like, you know, who designs this for you? And they were kind of saying, oh, we get external agencies, you know, work with some local people in Mayo and Sligo or whatever it was. And I was like, how are you going to get brand consistency if you don't have someone doing it for you in-house that's immersed in the brand every day? Because mm. people, you know, and no disrespect, but like there's, you know, certain like that designers who might work with 20 companies. Yeah. So they're all, they're switching from one to the other. So they're just going to kind of bang out what they think, you know, is right without actually being immersed in the brand, in the values and the messaging, you know, and that type of thing. So um, that was alien to me. And I was like, okay, well, when I got hired, I was like, first things first, we need a graphic designer because we need someone who is going to give us a new logo, first of all, because you need a new logo because it's terrible. And we pretty much within, we got an amazing graphic designer, actually, um, Uh, two really good graphic designers at the time um, and we did a full rebrand within a couple of months of me working there um, which they is the brand that you see now Um, and I loved working on that project you know I love I love the you know again it's that kind of from start to finish you Mm -hmm. know so it's kind of finding out okay who are we you know who are we talking to what are we trying to say who are we you know who is our market and what do they want who are the brands that we're trying to align ourselves with and what you know, what's their branding because that's their premium. We need to be premium, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, so it was, there was a lot of kind of work within that, but just the satisfaction that you get from doing that is, is you know, it's amazing. And in, I suppose instead of working with influencers, you're working with ambassadors here now. Yeah. You know, so different sports stars and so on who get a car and they're, they become the face for, for that brand, whatever in the yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. So what was that dynamic like then? Because that's probably a more ongoing relationship that you need to have. 
Yeah, and look like with with anything like what I was talking about earlier when you're trying to get people to post, you know, you, you have to encourage people, but you can't force people at the same time. But it was, you know, I got to to bring in a couple of um, influencers that who I admired and I wanted to bring in more of a female because I was like, at the end of the day, who are the decision makers in most houses? Mm. You know, who decides what car you buy? Oh, yeah, I know. It's the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. Because even one of the guys messaged me yesterday about going to Vegas for our, the, our 40 that we never got to celebrate during COVID. But of course, I have to go to the missus. Of course. Is it okay? Yeah. Am I allowed to go to Vegas with my friends? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and you're not going to tell them that. You're going to go, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Just check with the missus, you know. Yeah. Make sure she's all right. But we know you have to ask for permission first. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we were, you know, we were kind of, that was kind of a, one of the things I was saying was, you know, decision makers in a lot of households are the female. Mm. We're not targeting them, you know. So we need to, speak to them you know by using branding ambassadors that you know are attractive to the to the female audience so um we worked with uh, someone who i'd you know followed for a long time chloe bowsher um so she came on as you know one of our influencers and you know it was kind of she was bringing more of a kind of a fashion vibe and you know a bit more of that kind of um the style element to it um which was you know again just brilliant experience um really really good and i love you know, being on those shoots and, you know, kind of directing those those type of um, videos and just, again, the content and seeing, you know, them go online and just seeing the interaction and the engagement and stuff. That's that's what I get real enjoyment out of. And then it changes again to a completely different industry, which is where you are today. Yes. Resilience um, Healthcare. Yeah, it's funny. I, again, kind of, I felt like, you know, you get to a certain point where you feel like I've done as much as I can do. And I guess I'm at a stage where, you know, the kids are a little bit older and I'm kind of at a, a point where I'm like, I, I want to progress, you know, and I want to do something for me that has a bit of purpose. So a friend of mine that I went to school with contacted me. Um, she works within Resilience Healthcare and she said that they were looking for a brand manager. So I was like, brilliant. So I went for the interview and did a couple of interviews. You know, I loved the feel. You know, you just get that gut feeling when you walk into somewhere. It was just, it just felt really cool. Just like a cool place to work. So I loved the feel. I loved the vibe. You know, I met with some of the people and found out I didn't get the job. So I was um, distraught because I just, again, for me, when I started researching, I was like, so resilience healthcare work with people with intellectual and physical disabilities. And for me, I was like, this, this is, my time to actually do something that helps to make a difference Mm -hmm. so I didn't get the job and I was devastated but I always again I felt like I've unfinished business with them I was like it's not goodbye it's it's goodbye for now but it's not goodbye so um that was that was fine kind of just kept going with my job but I always had that feeling you know just I just knew that it that it wasn't the end so um we went to Mexico and New York with the kids at the end of last year and uh, got back and I had a missed call off the recruiter um, within the business. And I knew I was like, now's the time. So she said, yeah, we're uh, we're actually looking for a marketing manager. And she sent me the job spec. And I was like, did you just write this for me? Because this is pretty much me to a T. Um, so I went and I interviewed again and got the roles. So that was nearly a year ago. And I've can safely say I've never been happier in a job because just again being able to to work with a company where you can just see the difference that it's making and I love like so what my role is and I do love a good brand refresh um we're in the middle of a brand refresh at the moment to update the brand um but one of the main goals of my job is to attract new talent so by doing that you have to create an environment in a brand where People are happy so that they'll be your advocates to attract new talent and then create an environment where they're happy. And by doing that, I feel like you're getting, you know, your frontline workers. We work with um, support workers, with nurses um, who are making a difference to children's lives and and adults' lives every day. So for me, it's amazing. And every day is is completely different. So I, I love that about the job, but also a lot of the content that we're doing within the marketing team is we're doing we're creating videos to give these service users that we work with a voice 
So a, a lot of the people we work with um, have autism and they could be nonverbal, but it doesn't mean they don't have something to say. They mm. just don't know how to say it. So within my job, it's about creating content and working with them to give them a voice and a platform, you know, and it's it's really, really rewarding. Brilliant, yeah. Our owners, Broadlake, are a, a company based in Dublin, um, and they're so progressive in their thinking. So we have our 3x10x strategy, which is to be three times the size in five years, but to have 10 times the impact. And that means envi environmentally, um, within our community, shopping locally, um, sponsoring local teams. Um, and it's not just doing it to say we're doing it. Like we have working groups now where we're trying to figure out how can we really make a difference, you know, um, within all of the companies, with um, the sister companies? Um, so work, to work with a business like that is just amazing, um, you know, because I feel like there's there are constant goals. You know, there's my my uh, MD said last week I was um, doing a presentation and he said the only thing that's constant is change, you know, and that to me is like, yeah, I'm on board because I, I get bored easily. So if I'm if I'm in a business that's progressive, they're constantly, you know, planning to get bigger and expand, but also look at how they can have an, you know, an impact. That to me is, you know, that ticks all the boxes. Yeah, 100%. As we finish up, we're asking people to bring in something. <laughs> I, I, I always kind of do this little thing when because I'm like, did you bring us something or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone so far has remembered to bring us something, Jess. Okay. So no pressure. Okay. So okay. did you uh, think about bringing something into us today with show and tell? Show and tell. <laughs> well, I brought you a coffee. You did, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. an amazing protein ball. Yeah, so thank you uh, for that. But no, I did. I did remember. I have um, something that's actually easy to to remember because. They're always on me. Um, I just have bracelets with my um, my girls' initials on them, um, with M and C, um, because it's just a constant reminder of my why. Um, just having them there, and the other thing I brought was my passport because I could not live without this. <laughs> <laughs> I love going away. Yeah, absolutely love a holiday. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think especially after COVID. I think we all just realized how much we loved being able to just get on a plane and, yeah. you know, little things we took for granted. I think those couple of years just made us all realize you don't know what's around the corner. So just book the flight, go on the holiday, make the experiences. Let them go to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. Jess, thanks so much for joining me on thanks Gary for Talk. Me, Gary. My pleasure. Continued success. Thank you. <laughs>